Well, let's get into a time of the word of the Lord. I believe that when it comes to the time of the preaching of the word, there should be an excitement in our heart. There should be a desire that we are gonna grow. Uh, I believe preaching should cause people to grow in their love uh, relationship with God, in their walk with the Lord. So uh, I'm lifting up my Bible. Why don't you just say this after me? This is God's word. God said it. I believe it, and that settles it. And so, Lord, we just thank you for the anointing of your spirit. Your anointing is your presence and power being released to accomplish your kingdom purpose. And so we pray today, God, come and in this place, accomplish your kingdom purpose, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of the message this morning is Life in the Spirit. Life in the Spirit. This is part two. We began with part one last Sunday. If you want to go to our website, chooselifechurch.com, you can uh, listen to the message from last Sunday. And uh, this is part two. Next Sunday, we'll continue with part three. So we're talking life in the Spirit And this message deals with living by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's essentially what it deals with. And it's based on Romans chapter 8. And Romans 8 is a chapter of the Bible that deals with the working of the Holy Spirit. Now, in the book of Romans on the whole, and also specifically in Romans chapter 8, I have found some of the concepts to be quite deep. Maybe you can relate to that. You've read Romans at times and you thought, wow, I don't understand everything. What's going on? Lord, help me to understand. And and so we do ask God that he would open our understanding this morning and that we would be able to receive his word and allow it to find fertile soil in our hearts. But I really pray that the Lord would open the eyes of our understanding and this would be a time in which we receive the word. Last week, we dealt with the first five verses of Romans chapter eight, and today we will look at the subsequent six verses. But before we do that, I'd like to just briefly recap the three points that I shared with you in last Sunday's message, and they were the following three points. Number one, no condemnation. This means that we no longer have a dark, heavy cloud that is hanging over us. We do not carry a burden of guilt and shame. That's not the case for us as believers anymore, but we are free. We carry the approval of God, the blessing of God, the favor of God, so there's no condemnation. Second point last week was walking in the spirit empowers you to, listen to this, have victory over sin. How many of you listening to me today, you need victory over sin? Well, walking in the Spirit empowers us in that regard. And I wanna also just say to you that as a child of God, filled by the Spirit, you are not helpless in this battle against temptation and sin, but you have power over sin. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that that is simply wonderful news. We have power over sin. And the Holy Spirit, he is our power band to overcome sin. Remember I gave the example of a motorbike. You get a good motocross bike and you start to really open it up. 
And if you're in power band, you can go up some of the steepest, most unbelievable hills because at a certain place with all the revs and so on, you're in the power band and you can get up the most ridiculous places. And the same thing is, is applicable to our lives. The Holy Spirit is our power band to be able to overcome sin. Number three of last week's message is cooperate with God by thinking about things that please Him. You see, we have a part to play. We need to realize this. It's not just all up to God. Our part is that we need to set our mind on the right things. We need to set our minds in the things that God wants us to be focusing on and that will literally transform us. And so at the same time, we need to realize that we don't gratify the flesh, but we want to be mindful of the things of the spirit and set our minds on pleasing God. And so that was the essence of last Sunday's message from the first five verses of Romans chapter eight. Now, please look with me in your Bible. At Romans chapter eight, verse six to 11, we're gonna look at these 11 verses of scripture. And uh, we pray, Holy Spirit, make the word alive to us. Now let's read God's words. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. Verse 10, and if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit, a well-known verse, of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Can I get an amen? Amen. The word of God is powerful, it's alive, sharper than any two-edged sword. Now please keep Romans 8 open because we're gonna refer to it as we share in this morning. So I'd like to share four points with you this morning out of these couple of verses of scripture. And these, I believe, are the critical things that we need to learn and understand out of this passage. Point number one, following the Holy Spirit leads to life and peace. Doesn't that sound lovely? Following the Holy Spirit leads to life and peace. And in verse six of our chapter, uh, Romans eight, it says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded, that's about following the Holy Spirit, is life and peace. Let me tell you, child of God, that part of God's plan for his children is that we would experience life and that we would experience peace. Isn't that actually wonderful news? What a God we serve. 
You see, he is a God of life. He is a God of peace. And he wants us to experience what he has. I mean, in the book of John, Jesus said, I have come that they may have life. Jesus wants you to have this, that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. What does God give? He gives life. Jesus also said in the book of John, he said, my peace I give to you. What does God want you to have? He wants you to have peace. And so I can say most definitely, God wants every one of his children to enjoy life and peace. And you see, as we walk in the Holy Spirit, as we walk and journey in our life in partnership, in relationship with the Holy Spirit, we begin to experience well-being. We begin to experience blessing. We begin to experience life and peace in our souls. And people who are full of the Holy Spirit, you understand what I'm speaking about because there's a well-being that comes into the person's heart who is seeking after God. And it's so wonderful that this is the automatic outflow of being spiritually minded. It automatically happens as you begin to follow the Holy Spirit. Life and peace starts to flow. And it is a wonderful way of living when we'll be following the Holy Spirit and being spiritually minded. But conversely, if you allow your mind to follow fleshly and carnal desires, it will destroy you. There's so much destruction because people, millions and millions of people around the world are rather choosing to follow their own desires, their carnal, fleshly mind. Imagine with me for a moment an unsaved drug addict. And let's imagine that that guy is still, you know, partly high on drugs, his, his life is falling apart, he's got a shaggy appearance, there's brokenness, there's pain in his life, and do you know what? His mind is focused on the next fix, no doubt. <laughs> in other words, he is carnally minded. All he can think about is gratifying his flesh, his next fix, or getting drunk, or the next smoke, or whatever it might be. That's all that he's focusing on because he's carnally minded and it's death. But you can take that same drug addict and introduce him to Jesus and things can begin to change in his life and suddenly his mind starts to focus on different things. All of a sudden, he's starting to actually read the Bible. He would have never thought he would read the Bible before. He would have never thought he would have been pr praying before. But what's happening? He is becoming spiritually minded. And you know what? His life begins to transform. And there is life and peace that comes into a person's life like that. Because God can take you from the gutter and he can take you to a glorious new life of life and peace. And if you're listening to me today and your life is in a complete mess, you're in the gutter, I want to tell you that God can take you out of that and you can experience true life and peace. Being spiritually minded is about focusing our attention on God or centering our lives on God. Because let me tell you, God knows what is best for you and for me. He knows what is best. And so sometimes when you're facing a situation, you don't know what to do. What should you then do? Well, why don't you just 
Ask God, God, what should I do? Holy Spirit, would you lead me? And then you joyfully follow his leading and it will produce good results in your life. Something which I find interesting as I was preparing for this message is this, that spiritually minded people are the only ones on the planet that are truly alive spiritually. Very interesting. They are alive to God. And I've written a couple of things here. They carry the life of God within them. They discern spiritual things. They talk about spiritual things. They act in a spiritual way. They eat, sleep, and drink the Spirit of God. They minister with passion. They set others on fire, and they are truly alive. And so I want to tell you, spiritually-minded people are the only ones who are truly alive because their spirits have now come alive to God. I don't know about you, but I want to be fully alive in the power and the presence of God. Anyone agree with me? Come on, say amen. I want to be fully alive. Now, let me tell you, you can be a professor of theology, lecturing theological students on the Bible, and you can be as dead as can be, no spiritual life in you, and all you give to your students is dead religion. Or you can be a baby Christian who's encountered the Holy Spirit, who's come spiritually alive. And when you begin to open your mouth, life comes out of it. Far more than that professor who's meant to know so much about the Word of God. Because the life of God is within you. I've got the life of God in me. Remember that song. I've got his life, his nature, and his ability. And so you can be a baby Christian. And be so much more effective for the kingdom of God because you have God's life in you. And so as we sow to the Spirit, we will enjoy well-being. We will enjoy blessing. We will enjoy peace. And we will enjoy life in this life and forevermore. So that's number one. Following the Holy Spirit leads to life and peace. Number two. The carnal mind is at war with God and cannot please him. Now, I repeat that. The carnal mind, that's the fleshly mind, is at war with God and it simply cannot please God. And in our text, look at now verse 7 and 8. It says, because the carnal mind is enmity, in other words, hostility against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, I believe this, that each person on the face of the planet is either for God or against God. I wonder if you agree with me on that. There is actually no middle ground according to the word of God. And in fact, you are actually an enemy of God, the scripture says, unless you've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. And yet, you know that he even loves those people dearly and he wants them to be saved. But all the same, I need to let you know that there is no neutral ground. We have a choice to make. God says, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, and if you don't know what the answer is, he gives you the answer. Therefore, choose life. It's like a multiple choice test, but he gives you the answer. <laughs> and so we need to choose life is what it's all about. 
But you know what? I was thinking about what is a sinner actually? Because before we came to Christ, we were all sinners. But what is a sinner? A sinner is someone who is in rebellion against God. A sinner is someone who wants his own will. He doesn't want God's will. A sinner wants to be his own master. He does not want to bow to God. But you know what? We cannot please God if we want to be on the throne of our hearts. We cannot please God if we want to follow our own desires. Listen to this statement I came across. It's quite interesting. Following our own desires and disregarding God boils down to hostility against God. It's quite serious. And not only is the carnal mind against God, but let me tell you this, the carnal mind is actively hostile against, hostile against God. It is aggressive against God. It's terrible. It's not a pretty sight. The carnal mind can produce so much disruption, dis, uh, uh, disruption and, and destruction on the face of the earth. The carnal mind is aggressive against God. The carnal mind fights against God's plan. It fights against God's kingdom. It refuses to submit to God. And the carnal mind, it hates God. <laughs> and the reality is there are millions of people around the world that are living according to a carnal mind. And that's why the output of their lives is not good. I was just thinking of the whole aspect of abortion. And I believe that abortion is a prime example of the carnal mind. It's not only against God, it's aggressive and hostile towards God. Abortion is such a terrible thing. It's, it's the product of a carnal mind and it produces death. Do you know how many babies have been aborted in this year alone so far? It's a figure of 19.9 million babies have been aborted. And that's according to the World Health Organization. Isn't that terrible? But do you know, in terms of coronavirus deaths, there are only 460,000 people that have died worldwide from coronavirus. That is quite a contrast. And so, so many people are being killed because there is a carnal mind which is aggressive against God, wants to destroy God's kingdom and God's work. But... God brings life. <laughs> he brings life. He brings peace. He brings restoration. He brings harmony in families. And God is the life-giving God. But you know, in terms of the world being against God, if you have ever felt hated by the world, know that Jesus experienced the same thing. He also felt hated by the world. In John 15, verse 18, it says in the NLT, it says, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. And then a few verses later, also John 15, verse 25, it says, they hated me without cause. Here was the God of love, and they hated him without cause. But in verse eight, just to get back to our text, it says, so then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And so God finds no pleasure in those who are controlled by the flesh. But if we walk in the Spirit, and we love to do that, we are delightfully pleasing to God. Can I get an amen? 
Amen. On to point number three. Point number three, we are identified as those influenced by the indwelling spirit. Let me say this again. We are identified as those influenced by the indwelling spirit. Look at verse nine of our text. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And so I actually love this, that we have an identity as those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit. That's our identity. That's who we are. And I believe that we should enjoy this new identity as those who are influenced, living under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the thing. The Holy Spirit, let me remind you, He takes up residence within you. And when He comes and takes up residence in you, He dramatically affects and impacts your life. I think some people think, well, they want the Holy Spirit, but they want the Spirit of God to just sit in a corner and do nothing. No, no, no. I believe that God comes, and in the most glorious way, He wants to dominate if you will allow Him. He wants to change you dramatically, because God doesn't come to be stuck in a corner of your heart. He comes to fully indwell the believer and to set the believer on fire. And that's why those believers in the book of Acts were so radically changed and they turned the world upside down. Why? Because God had come into them and these were now influenced by the indwelling Spirit of God. So the Holy Spirit takes up residence within us and His presence has a profound effect. Let me ask you this. If somebody this week was to move into your house, do you think it would affect your life a little bit? <laughs> it would. Imagine grandma's coming now to live with you this week. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would affect your life a little bit, wouldn't it? But now, when the Holy Spirit comes to take up residence, He affects your life. And you know what? As a result, there will be evidence of his living inside of you. There will be evidence, things like a changed heart. There will be things like uprightness in you. There will be things like the fruit of the Spirit because the Spirit of God comes to change you and so there should be fruit. And I say to you, if there's no change in your life after supposedly receiving the Spirit, then I wonder, did you really receive the Spirit of God? But it's wonderful that we are identified as those influenced by the indwelling spirit. I'm on to point number four, but let me just recap. Point number one, following the Holy Spirit leads to life and peace. Number two, the carnal mind is at war with God and cannot please Him. Number three, we are identified as those influenced by the indwelling spirit. And number four, the mighty power of the Spirit generates life. Would you please say the word life? Generates life within us. Let's look at the last two verses of our passage. It says there, Romans 8, verse 10 and 11, and it says, And if Christ is in you, which he is as believers, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life. I want to say that again. The Spirit is life because of righteousness. 
But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Amen. So I would like to humbly suggest to you that these two verses of scripture have often been misinterpreted. People have tended to think that the Holy Spirit is now giving life to your earthly body. But that is not what the scripture is actually saying. The reality is, folks, according to what we read in here, is that our natural bodies are busy dying because of the effects of sin. Have you noticed we're all getting older? <laughs> uh, not you, okay, just me. Have you noticed we're all getting older? No one's getting younger. I mean, that song, forever young, I wanna be forever. Well, you can sing it till the cows come home. It ain't gonna change things. You can use products that look, try to help you look a little bit younger, but it's not gonna make you get younger. We're all getting older. There are more wrinkles every month, more gray hairs every month, and for some of us, less hairs every month. And ultimately, we will die unless the Lord returns in the meantime. Now, one of the questions that I had as I was preparing, I thought to myself, well, why didn't God transform our bodies at the same time he transformed our spirits and made our spirits alive. And I'm not exactly sure. Maybe it could be because right then, the person that gets saved would look amazingly glorified and it would be a bit of a giveaway. <laughs> Maybe it could be because of that. Or perhaps it's because God first wants us to complete our earthly existence. Or perhaps it's because God is spirit and spirit is more important. And that's why he's transformed our spirit first and then our bodies will be transformed at a later stage. But there is an appointed time for the transformation of the body. Now, the good news for later is that eventually your earthly body will be resurrected to new life. And this will be done just as Jesus' body was done and you will receive a new glorified body. Can anybody say hallelujah? There will come a day that we'll get a glorified body. What's it gonna look like? I don't know, but I think it's gonna be amazing. You're not gonna need to eat. You're not gonna get tired and you're gonna look really amazing, all right? <laughs> uh, and so we're gonna have this glorified body and this will be accomplished by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is gonna resurrect our bodies. And God's resurrection power is within you already, but it will be unleashed in terms of affecting your body and raising your body from the dead later on. In 1 Corinthians 6 verse 14 in the NLT it says, and God will raise us from the dead by his power just as he raised the Lord from the dead. But now, we've said that our natural bodies are dying busy dying because of the effects of sin. We've said that eventually your natural body will be resurrected just like Jesus and you'll have a glorified body. This is all still under point number four. But the good news for now, 
Because that's good news for later that our bodies will be resurrected. But the good news for now is that the Holy Spirit is busy actively imparting the life of God into your spirit now. And you are spiritually alive right now. And the Spirit of God is busy. He's at work. He's giving life into your spirit. And that's why we are no longer dead in our trespasses. Because we've been made alive to God. And it's so wonderful that the mighty power of the Spirit is generating life right now into our spirit being. And later on, there will be a time when He generates life and supernaturally raises our bodies as well. What a glorious God. We have so many things to look forward to. And so the Holy Spirit is imparting that life of God right now. That's why we love to worship God. That's why we love to lift our hands and lift our hearts, pour out our hearts to God. We love to love His presence because we're alive in Him and we're no longer dead. Verse 10 in the Passion Translation says, His life-giving Spirit imparts life to you. In the same verse, verse 10 in the Amplified, it says, your spirit is alive. Child of God, I want to remind you today that your spirit is alive. It is alive unto God, gloriously alive, and you will never die. As a spiritual being, you will go on to live forever. But even right now, we get to enjoy spiritual fellowship with the spirit of God because we're not dead we're alive, what a joy. And I'm ending off now, and I wanna say this, that our responsibility is to take advantage of this immense spiritual life that God has given to us. How do you respond to that? You do the following. You determine in your heart that I'm gonna be led by the Holy Spirit. He's gonna be my senior partner in life. That I'm gonna walk in the Spirit. That I'm gonna follow the Spirit and I will, as our text say, says, be spiritually minded. And so I wanna encourage you that you do exactly that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word to us today. I thank you, Lord, that your word is so incredibly life-giving. And I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice that they would get more passionate for the Spirit of God, for your presence, for the reality of the indwelling Spirit of God in our lives than ever before. And I thank you, Lord, that your presence inside of us transforms us thoroughly and completely. And so we say, have your way, Holy Spirit. And we pray this in the matchless name of Jesus. And we all say, Amen, amen. So God bless you. Have a wonderful day.